welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of Johnson and the Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2016 UKSC 56. Now, Mr Johnson was born in Jamaica to a Jamaican mother and a British father, but importantly for the context of this case, his parents were not married. Even though Johnson moved to the UK at the age of four with his British father in 1989 and has lived here ever since, he is legally a Jamaican citizen and not a British one. The reason for this is, in the first instance, that his parents had not been married at any time, and secondly, an application had never been made for British citizenship. It's worth saying here that such an application could have gone through automatically at any time, when he was a child, and been accepted alongside good character when Johnson was over 16. Anyway, moving to the present case, between 2003 and 2008, Johnson was convicted of a number of serious crimes and ended up being convicted of manslaughter, for which he got nine years. While he was serving this sentence in 2011, the Secretary of State made a deportation order classifying Johnson as a foreign criminal. In other words, because Johnson was technically a Jamaican citizen and not a British citizen despite spending so much of his life in the UK, he could be recognised as such in the eyes of the law. Johnson appealed on the basis of Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which is the right to family life, and also on the basis of Article 14, which is discrimination on the basis that he was considered foreign simply because his parents weren't married when he was born. When his case went to the High Court, it was accepted that there was discrimination against him, but when the Secretary of State appealed this to the Court of Appeal, it was found that there was no violation at the relevant time, because Johnson was born before the Human Rights Act 1998 actually came into force in the year 2000. Johnson appealed to the Supreme Court, and this is where we're picking it up. The Supreme Court began by looking at the right to a nationality. Now, technically, this is not a right under the European Convention, but because it has a significant effect on Johnson's personal and family life, it can be considered to fall under Article 8 in these circumstances. At this point, the Supreme Court follows a trail of breadcrumbs and says that because it does fall under Article 8, this allows them to examine the issue of discrimination, which we've already said falls under Article 14. In order for Article 14 to apply, Johnson had to be considered of a special status that had protection from discrimination, and ever since the case of Marx and Belgium from 1979, birth outside of wedlock has indeed been recognised as a status that can be discriminated against. The Secretary of State herself had no justification for this discrimination, and so Johnson's appeal was allowed. You might think that this is now the end of the case, but the Supreme Court did not stop here. In essence, they wanted to be able to prevent similar discrimination in the future, and so to do this, the Supreme Court made a declaration of incompatibility as regards the good character requirement that we talked about earlier. You'll remember that we said that Johnson could have applied for British citizenship after the age of 16 if he had been of good character 
and this is what the Supreme Court found to be incompatible with the Convention. So was this a correct decision by the court? Well, I think in terms of the actual result, it does intrinsically seem unfair that a person who has grown up and spent so much of their life in the UK is not considered to be a citizen, simply because his parents were not married when he was born. Johnson probably doesn't even remember his early life in Jamaica, and was certainly educated here in the UK. That's fair enough, but what about this declaration of incompatibility? Did the court go too far by stepping outside of its remit? The incompatibility issue was not necessarily part of deciding the case. They could have simply stopped when they said that the Secretary of State's actions had been discriminatory. Nevertheless, it possibly was important for the Supreme Court to make this point here in order to prevent a swathe of future appeals on a range of rights that could be impinged in this way. You can imagine that things such as the right to vote could have been appealed against on the same discrimination grounds. It's not only Article 8 and the wider right to a nationality that is affected. However, considering this declaration of incompatibility, one of perhaps the most interesting questions to ask in this case is, did the court actually go far enough? There is an argument that they should have made the declaration so that people who had been previously denied citizenship because of their parents' marital status should automatically get citizenship. The court considered this but decided that citizenship shouldn't be forced on anyone. There still should be some formal application process, even if it was wrong for a requirement of good character to exist in these circumstances. Overall then, this was a solid decision by the Supreme Court and it was really interesting to see them take matters into their own hands essentially by making the declaration of incompatibility as regards the government's rules on immigration. We will have to wait and see whether the Home Office decides to follow up on this case by amending this area of law, but in the meantime we can see this as another example of heavy criticism of the government's continuing policy on immigration. We have seen in recent years that there has been a real crackdown on immigration as part of the government's target to get the number of immigrants below 100,000. It's often forgotten that a key part of this process is by tightening the law and restricting the circumstances in which people can immigrate to the United Kingdom. This process of deportation has also been key to the government's policy, and in particular Jamaica is an interesting example. The UK government has even gone so far as to fund a prison being built in Jamaica, so that Jamaican prisoners could be deported. Too often it has been up to the courts to push back on this and point out that while it is important and the government does have the authority to make an immigration policy, it's also important that when they do so, they're not impinging people's human rights. Cases such as this are often attacked in the right-wing media for being the Strasbourg judges or the European Convention restraining the UK government's ability to actually deport criminals and tighten our borders around the UK. But when you actually get into the facts of this case, you can see fairly clearly that there's no way that Johnson should be considered a foreign criminal. And so it's really important when we're reading these types of stories that we do actually look into the details and don't necessarily take them at face value. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast episode. The music as ever is provided by bensound.com. Also a big thank you to Bill CDF who left a review of the podcast on iTunes. 
They gave it five stars and called it awesome. They're a first year law student, so a quick shout out to them for listening and rating and reviewing the podcast. Remember, if you too would like a shout out, then leave a rating and a review and I'll make sure to keep an eye on that and give you a shout out too. In the meantime, I'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.